0: Not well-meaning like this because it's this is sort of like a backhanded criticism, but they say things like, I just wish we could get back to the way the early church was. And um, like, okay, you want to be stoned? Uh, and like, okay. <laughs> um, but it is it is a thing, guys. And I do think, you know, in the world of 2024, I really do feel like the First World Church in particular looks less and less like the Book of Acts. Um, you know, much of church culture is is even built by church leaders, and people like me have to really work hard not to read the. I, I get so many emails and calls every single week um, pushing this sort of thing, but the idea of like. 50 minute service, and if someone's doing that, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's not in it, but you know, 50 minute service, get people in and out as quickly as possible so we can run another group of people through the machine and get them out. Um, you know, I, I, someone told me that at Christmas time they visited a church um, out of town, and during the <clears throat> service, a uh, person came forward and saying, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Uh, on Christmas Eve morning, and they had um, artificial snow blown from the ceiling all over the people as that was happening. You know, and does the Holy Spirit use that kind of stuff? Possibly, you know. Um, but I really do think there's something about us just sort of saying, "Can I just like take the the um, maybe the plastic, the machine, the um, processed, uh, you know?" Um, feel out of it and just really like get someone's tears and snot on me, you know, and like find out about their crushing, awful, difficult life and, you know, kind of get away from the idea that this is about me going and being entertained and maybe get my hands dirty. And I see that happening in the book of Acts. These people were fully committed to one another. Um, So, the things that I have written down here, that uh, some of which, are, uh, all of these and more possibly, they gathered, they prayed, they experienced the power of the Holy Ghost, they gave witness to their faith, they shared their life, they faced persecution, they cared for the weak, they held to good theology, they did local and translocal missions, and uh, lots of stuff, just great stuff that they did. Um, Last week, we talked about gathering, Jesus' final instruction before He ascended. He said, go and gather, and then he was gone. So, we talked about how important that is. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you feel like saying a couple words? You had a beautiful little testimony in the hallway to me earlier. Christy, come on up. Let's give her a big (laughs) hand. Can we have this microphone on? We were just talking about… you know, Christy does our Sunday school class with her husband, Bill. She does our bridge ministry one Saturday a, a month and uh, involved in all kinds of stuff. And uh, we were just talking about how great it was and this the presence of the Lord here the other night. And uh, just, you know, gathering. This is a testimony of gathering. Just say something. I don't know.
1: The Lord promises that when we gather in his name, he's here. And uh, those of you that were here on Thursday, y'all um, were able to experience that beautiful presence. I feel like we experienced it this morning, his presence. But as we were gathered on Thursday, um, there was a point at which we stood in a like a big oval around the front of the church and um, We just looked in each other's eyes, we were looking at each other's faces, and um, we anointed each other with oil. And we said, um, receive the Holy Spirit. And when we did that, I really felt as I was looking around at the faces, and one was Merle, and uh, one was um, just all the people that were there. I I can't name all the people there. As I looked from face to face, I just felt like the Lord saying, this is what, we're, we're all images of God, and Merle, this is what Jesus looks like. Merle is a reflection of God. As he received the oil and we prayed for him, you know, we, and as we went around each one, you know, I put the oil on Bill's face, and I thought, he's a reflection of my creator. He's here. Um, and, and I just, the sweet presence of Jesus comes when we gather, mm-hmm. and we have to be together. Yeah. So. Amen. And I feel like revival looks an awful lot like just a renewed obedience to gather.
0: Hmm. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give her a hand. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking during worship, and I, I think later on um, maybe this will be a, a ministry time thing. You know, I really felt as Ron was, was singing, just there was a real simplicity here this morning and um, an earnestness. And I, I went to that passage in Luke 10 where, you know, Jesus is in the home and Mary is there and Martha is there and their sisters. And Martha is very, very active in doing a lot of things. And Mary is, is sitting there and she's looking at Jesus. That's all it says she's doing, she's looking at Jesus. And um, Martha becomes upset and says, Lord, would you tell her to get off her butt and help me. I'm doing all the work, I'm serving all the pie and, you know, keeping the air conditioning at the right temperature and, you know. And Jesus uh, rebukes her and He says, "Um, no, He says, you need to slow down. You're missing out. Mary's doing the right thing. In fact, He says, she's just doing the one thing that really matters. And I, I just felt this morning like there was an invitation for us, um, and if this hits you now, then in about 32 or 33 minutes, you'll have a chance to receive prayer, but I really felt like there was an invitation for us this morning, it's a prophetic invitation of the Lord, that some of us, our lives are just so cluttered, you don't even know if you hear Jesus anymore, and it's a very gentle invitation for Him to say, I want you to, like… Come back, come back to me. You know, like stop doing all that stuff. You know, you're going so fast, you're missing the thing that's really important. So if you find yourself uh, in that, I want to, you know, in a, maybe in a few minutes we'll, maybe you might want to surrender that to the Lord and um, see what happens. But we're going to talk about prayer. Uh, let's pray. I want to pray for Tanya and the. Sergei and Ilya and all the folks in Ukraine uh, that we know. So, Lord, we invite You, Holy Spirit, come and teach us. Lord, teach us to pray. I do pray to this morning now for our friends uh, that we're supporting and friends with in, in Ukraine. Um, bless them and uh, just go open doors and deliver and show Your power and presence and protect. And this morning we say, Holy Spirit, come. Just come into us clear out the clutter and bring us to a deeper place of simplicity. We are so grateful for Your Word. May this one little verse today um, just have meaning and bear fruit in us. We, we, Lord, we, we ask You for hearts that are soft soil, that Your Word would not bounce off or land in a ditch or get stolen by the enemy, but that it would bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 And um, for Your glory, Lord, we bless You. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's look again in Acts 12, uh, chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. And uh, I want to talk about prayer. So last week, as we said, we talked about gathering this week. What did the church do? The act of gathering this week, the act of prayer. And we're just going to look at three verses, and mainly uh, verse 14. So, just to give you context once again, again, if you are here last week, we're just really in the same place. Jesus um, lived, died, rose again, taught for a time, and then uh, got uh, on the Mount Olivet with His disciples, and He told them, go to Jerusalem and wait. And then He ascended, and the angels uh, to His disciples who were standing there looking in the sky said, why are you looking in the sky? It's time to go and do what He said. So they said, okay, and they went to Jerusalem, and uh, they prayed. And that's where we pick it up now in chapter 1 of Acts, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. When they entered, they went into the upper room where they're staying. That is, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas... The son of James. With all one mind, they were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So, we're going to talk about prayer. Now, when we talk about prayer, they gathered and they prayed. So, there's lots of ways in prayer. There's prayer is a lot of things, and this may become two messages. Um, As I was looking at my notes this morning, Um, You know, there's a lot of kinds of prayer. There is a corporate prayer. You know, we experienced some of that this morning as we felt led to pray. Different people prayed. Um, People prayed before the service this morning. But but there's also private prayer. That's when you're praying by yourself in your car, in your prayer closet, uh, wherever. And then there's prayer in tongues. Uh, and then there's prayer for other people as we pray for them, or if we pray and we lay their hand, our hands on them and we pray that the blessing of God would come in their life. Uh, so there's, And there's other forms of prayer, but those are just a few. Um, but what we're talking about specifically this morning, uh, giving you know, honoring the context of the passage, is when the church came together and they prayed corporately. So, uh, uh, a couple thoughts about this. The, the first one is that they, they prayed expecting God to hear. They prayed expecting that God would hear. So, very simple idea here. Um, What does that mean? Here's a few examples as I just went through Acts and just pulled out a couple of the places I remembered um, where the church got together and they prayed and they expected that God was going to actually hear them. One is uh, in Acts 1, uh, they had to pray and figure out who was going to replace Judas Iscariot. The one who turned away. So they got together, and in Acts chapter one verse twenty-four, it says they got together and they prayed, and said, "Lord, who is going to be the one?" And then in Acts chapter four verse twenty-four, they are being persecuted, and it says the church assembled and they prayed for boldness in the persecution. So they assembled like we are together, and it says the thing they prayed for, expecting God to hear, was. For uh, boldness and persecution. In chapter 6, verse 6, they find that there's just too many needs and there's too few people doing those things. So, it says in Acts chapter 6 that they got together and they prayed and said, Lord, who should we appoint to be deacons? And they came up with a bunch of people through the result of that prayer. In Acts chapter 13, they were getting ready to send out missionaries, and they get together and they pray Again, expecting God to hear, Lord, we pray about this mission. We pray about these people. We pray about your power and your work for those that they're going to be witnessing to. And then another one, and there's many, but I just got grabbed a few. In Acts 14, verse 23, they're starting to establish churches, and they realize we need leadership in these churches. We need some kind of structure, you know? Like, it's like kind of hippie, and that's cool, but like, all right, we need some people that like kind of are in charge. And so they pray for the appointing of elders of the church to establish leadership. So, those are just a few examples in the book of Acts of all these times that the church got together, and they prayed, expecting God to hear, and they prayed for God to do this thing, you know? And think of all the things we pray for, you know? I mean, one big obvious one to me was we, you know, we pray, prayed about getting a building, you know, many, many years ago. And uh, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and the Lord answered, and here we are. And a really neat psalm, if you're taking notes, I want to just turn you to Psalm chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. This has really been a pivotal um, little passage for me, and I I read this uh, really neat little book. You guys have heard of Matthew Henry's commentary, I'm sure. Well, Matthew Henry uh, was… I mean, he wrote so long ago that he still… he kind of wrote in King James English some of the stuff. But… He actually writes books, too, and I found this little book uh, many, many, many years ago, like 20, 25 years ago. It's called Experiencing God's Presence, and I I hung on to it because it really, really helped me. And in this book, he talks about Psalm 5, and I just want to read to you verses 1 through 3. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Hear, heed the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God. For to thee do I pray, in the morning, O Lord, you will, lift, you, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. So the, the bottom line of that Psalm of David and, and Matthew Henry's pointing out in this book is that he says, in the morning, I will pray and you will hear my voice. In a, a big part of prayer, you know, the church didn't just gather and say, "Ah, eh, let's pray for an hour and we'll go home and eat chicken." You know, like we're not wasting an hour when we pray. You're not wasting five seconds when you pray. The Scripture is clear that God hears our voice and He hears our prayers, and our prayers are as sweet incense and perfume rising up to Him. So we can have confidence when we meet that this instruction to pray and this example to pray is met with a God who hears our prayer. And some of us, you know, we might be easy to just give up on praying or quit praying or just like, when's the last time I prayed? Just two weeks ago, you know? God doesn't hear. Well, maybe like if we had some expectation that like He would hear, and I'm talking to somebody, and I would knock on that door, what does He say? Golly, would He go away? It's midnight. My kids are in bed. Remember the parable? Okay, fine. I'll go answer the door. And that's the Lord. That's how I work. So keep coming. Like, I'm going to answer to those who are hungry. You know, people walked for days to see Jesus. You know that? They walked for days. There's something about expectation. When I sit down with the Bible, like we said Thursday, who wrote this book? The Holy Spirit of God wrote this book. It's very clear it says that in 2 Peter. So, if I sit down with this book and I'm like, all right, I'm reading the phone book, you know, it's kind of boring, right? If I sit down with this book and I'm like, the Holy Ghost wrote this book, maybe He'll speak to me through it. It changes things. If we come to church with expectation that I'm going to meet with God, it changes things. If we go to prayer expecting God to hear, it really does change things. And so, Going off of that, they prayed expecting God to hear They also prayed expecting God to intervene, and this is extremely important. Going back to Psalm 5, he says, uh, In the morning, O Lord, you'll hear my voice, okay, expecting God to hear. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch, okay? I will eagerly watch. Last week, uh, somebody read from uh, one of the Psalms that talked about, I'll wait for the Lord as the watchman waits for the morning, You know, this idea that, I've shared this before, but the people that were the guards on the top higher areas of the cities and the walls would wait, and their shift ended when the sun came up, so they would eagerly watch. And that's what that's talking about in that psalm. I'll I'll watch for you as the watchman waits for the morning. I've been all night long like, oh, when's that sun going to come up? I want to go home. And then you see this beautiful sunrise over the horizon. You're up high, so you get the best view, uncluttered course, there's no noise pollution or light pollution back then either, so it just must have been stunning to have that job in this moment at the end of their shift, that late night watchman waiting all night, standing there like, no one's coming, we're fine, you know, can I get, you know, and then the sun comes up in the slow sunrise that takes a good half hour, and he compares that to waiting on God. And so, this ex- expectation of, I'm going to eagerly watch… I'm going to eagerly watch for you and see what you do. And, you know, a side study that I've done for uh, a a few years ago is just noticing how many times in the Bible it talks about doors opening. You know, think about that. How many times in the Bible does it talk about when doors open? And uh, here's a few examples for you. Uh, Colossians 4, it says, devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it, praying for us that God may open a door for the Word. So devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it, it adds, that with thanksgiving, and pray for us that God may open a door. Who opened a door this morning? Did anyone open any doors? What's the first door you opened this morning? It was the door to your toilet, right? It's the first door you probably opened so you could do something. (laughs) Had that door not been opened, you would be constipated, right? What's the next door you opened? Closet, you know, kitchen, front door. Then you opened a door that if you had not opened, you would not have gotten here. That was the door to what? Your car. Then you opened another door And if you had not opened it or if it had not been opened for you, you would not be here right now. What door was that? The church door. Exactly. And then you had to go through those doors. There's doors everywhere, guys. And if doors aren't open, we don't get in places, right? Well, Paul uses in Colossians 4 again, Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert, praying for us that God may open a door for the Word. It's this simple. We can pray expecting God to intervene. This wasn't some random prayer. He said, here's the thing, if you pray, a door will open, okay, cause and effect. If you do this, this will happen. And for me, like this is a verse I've just seized on for 30 years because you know, we do feel sometimes like I'm praying into the sky and nothing's happening. And he's like, no, you can pray with confidence. You can pray with confidence. And do it once and do it three times and do it 10 times. But pray that God would open a door. And we pray and doors open. Another example, of this is First Thessalonians 3. It says, night and day we keep praying earnestly that we may see your face. So there's, again, cause and effect. If we pray, if we pray, the door's gonna open. If we don't pray, guess what? It's not. It remains closed. If we pray, we will get to see you again. If we don't, what? We may not get to see you again. Expecting God to intervene. Another one is Second Thessalonians 3.1. He says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and that we may be delivered from perverse and evil men. Okay, so he right now is realizing we are in persecution. We have perverse and evil people who are attacking us and afflicting us. And he says to the church, I need you to pray so that would change. We need to be delivered from these people. So if you pray, this will happen. Another one is Romans 15, 30. Strive together with me in your prayers for me that I may be delivered from those who are disobedient in Judea. So again, the same thing. Paul is going through horrible persecution. You know, if you have someone at your job or in your neighborhood or in your family that's just just like coming after you, you know, and it's just relentless, I mean, you know, has anyone had that situation? You know, did you know if we pray, God, deliver me from this situation, like it can lift. It will lift from us, cause and effect. Um, And then I love the next couple, Romans 1, always in my prayers making a request, if perhaps now at last by the will of God I can come and be with you. What a beautiful prayer. He just says, "He just pray like I want to come visit you guys. Pray for that." And then the famous prayer for uh, traveling mercies. Have you ever prayed for traveling mercies? Well, how does that prayer go? Okay, Lord, I got four diapers, you know, 16 ounces of coffee, full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Blues Brothers. Anyway, I'm about to go somewhere. Lord, would you protect us? Right? Have you prayed that one? It's a good prayer. It's actually biblical. It comes from Romans 8. It's when they are on the way to Jerusalem. And there were lots of robbers and thieves and brigands and bad guys on the way. And they sat down in Romans 8, Ezra and the guys, and they prayed and said, Lord, protect our journey. And he did. They got there safely. And James 5 is another neat example. It's like, you need rain? Pray. This prophet in the Old Testament did it, and the rain poured down. And the effective prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. So, they prayed expecting God to hear, and then they prayed expecting God to intervene. Now, some of us right now, as we're talking about this, you're like, man, I never pray. Well, you know what? Great. Like, you got to pray just to make it today. Like, pray. It's time to pray. This is like a call for us to pray. And if you're in a place and you feel like, my prayer life is no good, I don't pray in church, sometimes I want to speak up, but I don't, like, this is an invitation. It's a call. It's, it's us saying, like, this is the, the the model given to us, and we can emulate this. And, and be like the, the, the New Testament church. You know, your, your deal, guys, corporate prayer, like, we have been told that we come in here, sit in a chair, get good coffee, and get entertained for an hour and a half, and it'll be good, and I can leave and feel. That's just not church. It's just not church. Like, you're not here to spectate. We are here to participate in whatever way the Lord encourages us to do. And so, like, we can go to church, and we can be like, I can go. I'm going to go and get with these people, and I'm going to pray what's on my heart. And as a result of my prayers, God is going to move somehow in my life and in our lives. Um, And so, and the other one is that they prayed in unity. Um, They prayed in unity. It says, again, going back to Acts chapter 1, verse 14, these all... With one mind, another translation is um, in one accord, right? Yeah, the famous Christian joke. And uh, in one accord, in one mind, they prayed. And this is really important. I just want to say this. This is super, super, super important that when we think about prayer, part of our prayer is that our prayer is a prayer of it's done in unity. It's, it's important that it says that they were in one mind, Okay? You know, the biggest reason marriages have stress and break up, you know what it is? It's money. It's disputes over money is the biggest destroyer of marital unity and marriages. And the reason for that is that the, the, the husband and the wife, there's a money issue that they can't come together on and solve and say, we shouldn't spend this or we should spend this or this is my money and that's your money. No, it's our money. And because of that, money is a divider. And so, when we come together, we have to try to come together with unity. And um, if we don't, guys, and I've just seen it over and over, if we don't come together in unity, a bitter root will spring up in in a relationship, in a church. And that's why it's so important, you know, as we say, like, our ultimate thing together is that we together are going to go to God in worship and prayer. We must try to do that in unity. Very, very, very important. And that's why it's so important to keep short accounts with one another. It is so important in your marriage, if you're married, with your friends, with the person in this room that you kind of don't like, and I'm not saying you have to like everyone, but we really need to keep short accounts. We can't form judgments, begin disunity, let those bitter roots spring up, and not pull the weed. If we do, it says in Hebrews, we will be defiled, and it will destroy, and I've seen it happen over and over again. So, keeping short accounts, the, the uh, Greek word here in verse 14 for one accord uh, is Honda Accord. No, I'm kidding. It's homo thumadon, and homo means same, and thumadon means passion. So, it's this idea that when we come together in prayer and we come together in a meeting in one accord a- as one, we're coming together with one, the same, passion together. Okay, another really neat parallel uh, 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 verse, and if you're taking notes, write this down because this verse has helped me so much over the years. It's Philippians 2, 19. This is where Paul says, I hope to send you Timothy. I have no one else of kindred spirit. Do you ever had someone in your life you felt a kindred spirit out with? Kindred spirit, you know, someone that you just felt like, you know, we're that homothumadon. We're this one passion, and the Greek word here, and I just did a really long study on this years ago and just found so much beauty in it, it's the same idea as the homothumidon. Um, it's a, just a little bit different, but it's a very similar idea. And the, uh, the, the Greek word there, it, it's another compound word, and it means this. It means same breath, same breath. When you're in kindred spirit with another person, it's like you're breathing in sync. That's how intimate of, of, of an of a experience it is. And that's a very close place to be to someone. Have you ever just heard someone else's breath, felt someone else's breath? I remember, you know, as a very young man, newly married, I remember for the first time just putting my, my head on my wife's chest and just feeling her breathing in and out. And just what an intimate, sweet experience to just experience. You know, what does spirit mean? Spirit means breath, pneuma. Pneuma, the Holy Spirit. That's why in John chapter th- 4 the, or 3, the, the Spirit is called the wind. You know, the wind blows where it wants. So, Numa Spirit means pneuma, which is where we get, you know, pneuma, the lungs. And so, this idea that, like, the intimacy of being in the same breath with other people, being that close, and guys, when we're in that place, the power of God is just welcome when there's no division. I think that's a lot of times why there's such a barrier to marital intimacy and a barrier in friendships and a barrier in families and a barrier in churches because we're all doing a different thing. And the Lord's calling us to this beautiful invitation of one breath, come together. And you might say, well, that's impossible. I don't like these people. Well, get over it. I mean, get over it. Like, you're called to a faith where you like people not because they're likable. Do you know that? Like, we don't love people because we like them, right? We, we love them the way Jesus loved us, with their flaws, with their awkwardness, with their weirdness, with all the stuff that comes, you know? You know, I tell people all the time. I just told a guy at my gym this the other day. He was like, you're a pastor. He's like, what, you know, what's your church like? And I always tell, this is my line. I say, my church is as if, like, you went to Walmart, Bobby Jones Walmart, In not Evans Walmart, not Grovetown, Bobby Jones Walmart, and you grab the first 200 people you you saw and you swallow them in your arms and then you took them and you put them in church. That's what my church is like. It kind of is. Like, look at us, you know? And he was stunned. He's like, what? He's like, what's that like? I'm like, it's great. I mean, it's like really great. Like we have people that speak all these languages, and we got young people, and we got old people, and we got people with money, and we got people with no money. We got people who are educated. We have got people who never finished high school. We got dogs and cats sometimes. I mean, we got everything, and it's like really great, and here's the reason. We're not about any of those things. We're about Jesus, and we've been given a gift of unity here, guys, and it's been, it's been challenged, and it, and it is being challenged. But, you know, we're called to live with people that are different from us. Kindred spirit, same breath. And I just, you know, I wrote here in my notes, incredible things happen when we're not concerned about our stance on politics, the color of the carpet, or who is recognized. That's unity. And those are the kinds of things that so easily plague so many bodies of believers. We're so focused on are we Democrat or are we Republican or who are we voting for? We're so focused on the aesthetic and the color. You've heard the classic color of the carpet tore the church apart. You know, we're so focused on the building. We're so focused on the program being just crisp enough and slick and perfect enough, you know, to really impress. We're so focused on person A, B, C, or D getting enough stage time or looking good. And all those things are just not what it's about. Th- those things we, we just put aside and say, no, we want the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ, and unity comes. And, uh, you know, I'll just tell you, I'm going to boast on our church staff and leadership teams, um, you know, we, we've had some discussions in our last few weeks of meetings, and we've just, we just sat around the, the table and said, we are in a, we are in a time of blessing. You know, the the 20 or 25 people that are doing the most leadership in this church, it's not perfect, but there is a tremendous sense of unity, and there has been for for many years. And we were just really together very very humbly in in a sacred way, just acknowledging as we were eating together, like, we really have this right now. Like, this is a really, really good thing that we have, And, and it's a blessing from God. And, you know, if you, if you see something good ha- coming from the church, I want you to know the leadership here is is—we um, really love each other, They're really going in a direction together. We get on each other's nerves at times, but, you know, that's part of it. So, if you find yourself not feeling in unity, I just want to challenge you, like, we need to major on the majors and minor on the minors, okay? We need to major on the majors, and this is the same for all of life. Major on the majors and minor on the minors. And if you find yourself having a disagreement or an issue, I challenge you, address it. In love, go to the person, take people if you need to, and rather than just say, screw them all, no one gets me, no one understands me, you know, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms. Okay, I'm a manic depressive personality. You guys don't know that because I look all, you know, energetic up here, but I deal with it so much. I do. I've got to get out of that. have got to get out of that. Me, 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 me. Everything's in relation to me. I've got to step out of that and say, all right, I'm, I'm going to wash feet. I'm going to be with other people. I'm going to try to embrace those who are different. And if I need to address something, I'm going to try to humbly... Address it humbly. You know, before you confront me, forgive me. It's a great rule. Before you confront, forgive. It makes the confrontation way better. And why are we doing that? Well, we're doing it so we can be in verse 14. And by the way, if you look at Acts, Acts, the whole book of Acts, there was conflict in the church all the time. I mean, Paul had to go to Peter, his senior in the faith, and publicly rebuke him for his bad theology in relation to how the church was taking in or not taking in the Gentiles. So it's going to happen, okay? But in the end, they were friends. In the end, they were friends. And so as we push for that, we then can become this church that in one mind, we expecting God to hear, expecting God to intervene, can come together and pray in unity. Now, I want to close today, uh, and then I think next week's going to be a part two, because um, I've only got through a few of my notes here. Um, and I just want to close with a model for prayer. So, you know, we're talking about prayer, and I've just pulled out a few things from this passage that I see as relevant to us that I hope inspire you to pray. Um, and and these are this is a model, a model for prayer, and you might think, well, I want to pray more. I like that the church prayed. This sounds really exciting. I want to pray. Do you want to pray? We kind of want to pray more like now, right? We have some faith to pray. And, um, but if only we had a model, and I just can't imagine where we'd get one from. <laughs> hey, you know what? That fish was good. He's coming back from his bathroom break. Rabbi, could you teach us to pray? Yeah, he said in two of the four Gospels. So this is what we call the Lord's Prayer and um, can we try to say it together without it on the wall? Let's try. This is going to be like kind of unity and not because some are going to be the King James and others aren't. Some are going to do the Luke version. Some are going to do the Matthew. Let's just see what happens, all right? Organized chaos. Here we go. Our Father who art in heaven… Be just not temptation pretty good good job good job guys so that is a prayer and not necessarily praying it by rote in fact jesus even tells us don't pray too long and don't pray by rote mean what you're saying but I want to close today and just give us a, a model using that as a, an example, obviously, because Jesus said, here's how you pray. And so uh, we have things on, on the wall here. And this will give you an I- idea maybe for next time you're praying. Um, and if you want to hint, I'm just learning to do this. I'm 51, but I'm starting to figure out tech. When you see this, you don't have to scribble it all down. You can just be like, <laughs> it's the best time saver. Um, so, we have um, six things. I think, did we miss number five? Yeah, number five is not on there. Protection guidance. Maybe you guys can edit it. Can you guys edit that real quick? Is it too late to do that? Is it doable? If it's not, it's fine. <gasps> it's all gone. But let's talk about the Lord's Prayer, and they'll edit that for you, maybe. If they don't, it's okay. But I just want to take you through these six parts of that passage, and, um, and that could be totally my fault that I didn't get number five on there. probably is. So, uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, it starts with uh, our Father, hallowed be Your name, which is the adoration part, okay? So, when we're praying, if you're here on a Sunday morning and all the, you know, all the weird people like Jeff start praying out loud and yelling, and me and Vanessa are yelling, and, you know, people are doing their thing, and you're like, I want to be part of this. Maybe I can… Okay, so, oh, there it is. So, the first thing is it starts with, how do you pray? Our Father who art in heaven, adoration, So, that's a great prayer if you're in your car or you're in the Sunday morning meeting. What do I pray? Man, I don't know what to pray. Hey, let's talk about how great God is. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. And I want to say this too, and I learned this many years ago. I was praying one day about all the miseries of my life, and I just felt like the Lord, not even telling me, but I just came over, this conviction came over, like, you know, I go to him every day and just start dumping, you know, I wake up. Uh. Yeah. Like, how would a relationship be if you just went and your first thing you said every time you met with that relationship was you just started talking all about yourself and all your problems? I mean, doesn't that get old after a while? If so, that's just how it is, you know? What if, like, we started the conversations with each other with, like, you know, I've even done this. I, I caught this about five years ago when I started getting more savvy at the phone and I get so many texts, hey can you blah 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 blah? <laughs> and I'd say, Good morning. How are you? Yeah, I can I can do that. But let's you know, a little hint, a little gentle, like I'm a human. I'm a human. I'm not a text. I'm a human. So, before I come in and say, man, you know, it's like, hey, good morning. Man, I was thinking about you today. In fact, I'm praying for you. Hey, when you have a time, could you send me those notes? How much more with the Lord, you know? I mean, how many billions of people this morning woke up and said, oh, God, could you get… My life stinks. Could you do this? You know, and God's not like… He's not like needing our affirmation or love for Him, like… That's not why we worship Him. But, like, I just realized, like, that praise delights the Lord, a heart that praises Him and says, you know what? This is about you. This is about you first. And I just began shifting in my life and and really just repenting of that selfish, self-focused attitude, you know? And I challenge you. Maybe just a neat challenge for for the year. Wake up and just begin with a prayer, a praise, or a thanksgiving to God. God, you're so good. That's what I this morning I just woke up at five and I just was overwhelmed um with just with this goodness. And I just remember just sitting there and saying just, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been so good to me. And that's a learned thing after thousands of tries. The next one is Thy Kingdom Come, which is an invitation. And you know, if you're not from third stream circles, um You know, you may not understand this language, kingdom come, and this is another message. But you know, beyond the adoration, then it's that whole thing of intervene that we talked about at the beginning, you know, that I'm praying and expecting God to act. And this is a conscious decision, not only to wake up and say, our Father who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name, but to then say, your kingdom come. What are you doing when you say that? Again, there's another message, but in short, you are inviting the power of heaven to come now into your life, and living room, and job, and relationship, and illness, and whatever it might be. And it's an incredible difference, guys, to just go about our day versus to say, God, come now. I remember reading an interview of a guy, he was joking about the vineyard years ago, and he said, the thing about you vineyard people is you really believe God shows up to your services. How could we not? I mean, why would we come here if he wasn't coming too, right? Yeah. You know? So it's that, that prayer of your kingdom come. It's, it's saying, I want you now today to fix my angry heart toward my wife, or I, I'm eating too many donuts, and I, I know it's gluttony, or I'm struggling with lust or greed or whatever it is, or I'm, I'm so sad I can't go on. Would you come? Would you come now? right now into this service, and like, help us, God. We are coming to you. We need you. There's so much brokenness in this room, and we can't fix it with a good sermon or a good song or good coffee. Your Spirit does the work, and we, and I don't, I just think giving Him that permission, that invitation, and that's a stillness. It's a stillness in prayer of just, you know, Ron did it this morning. He led us in it. Come, Holy Spirit, Wait what are we waiting on? We're waiting on the Holy Spirit, and He comes in silence. So that invitation is important. So adoration, invitation, repentance, next thing He says is forgive us our sins. And, um, you know, Jesus instructs us, before you come to the altar, repent. Before you come to the altar, if you know you have an issue with your brother, deal with it. Work through issues of repentance. So that's another part of prayer is repentance. The next one is examination. So he says, our Father in heaven, how be their name? Adoration. Your, your name? Adoration. Uh, your kingdom come? Invitation. Forgive us our sins. Uh, repentance. Um, I'm leaving out a few of the phrases, but they're part of the previous point. That's why. Um, forgive us our sins. And then this examination as we forgive. And so this is this idea of like, Lord, I'm inviting you now to meddle in my life, okay? I, I, I adored you. I invited your presence to come. I repented of conscious sin, and now I'm inviting you, I'm examining you. Oh, Lord, would you come? Who do I need to forgive? What should I do? What haven't I done? Where would you like me to go? And then it goes to protection and guidance. Um, Do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us. And that's all the things we ask for, you know, protection, guidance, supplication, all the things that we're asking God to do. Lord, come do this, come do that. And then it, we end prayer with surrender. And I think that the reason, the, one of the reasons that the uh, Lord's Prayer ends with, surre- with Yours is the Kingdom is once we're done with the prayer and we're ready to go back to our taco, we say, Having said all of that, I'm closing with complete open arms and saying, Yours is the Kingdom, Yours is the power yours is the glory forever. As I go out of the prayer moment and into my day, I acknowledge and invite you to be the absolute king, and I surrender as I go into it. So, that's a neat model for us for prayer, and I just I, I thought, you know, as we're talking about prayer in the first part from Acts, it would be good to end with… Uh, with uh, a model for prayer. So, uh, I'm gonna stop there, um, and uh, next week we're gonna do part two, which we're gonna talk about how did God answer the prayers of the church in the New Testament, and talk about different ways that he did that for them, and will do that for us, amen? All right, the act of prayer. The act of prayer, guys, let's pray. The praying church, you wanna be a praying church? In your house, in your car, sunday morning do it we are invited to do that all right let's stand I think we'll spend just the first couple minutes in prayer together. And uh and then some of us I wanna really give you a chance for that, uh if you feel the spirit is stirring you with the word of Mary Martha simplicity. Um just hang on to that. But let's let's just pray together for the next few minutes. Um some of you guys will be inspired. So uh let's just spend a few minutes. Lord, we come to you.